It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up? Welcome into the CHGO Bears podcast presented by PointsBet. Uh, use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. What's going on, Bears fans? Welcome in to our noon show today uh, on CHGO where we are perfectly okay with you drinking beer out of hot dog straws if you'd like. That was just like the grossest thing that I've ever seen on a video on Twitter in my entire life. I mean, I, I'm not saying I would do it, Will, but I, I kind of, I think, I part of me wants to give the guy credit. It's, it was somewhat genius how quickly uh, and efficiently he, you know, poked through the hot dog to get it, get it in the straw form, and just drank the beer. I don't, and for all I know, it might taste really good. <laughs> I don't know. I think we can trust our own, like history of in our palate to know that's probably not a delicious way to in, consume a beer that's not how i like to consume my beer but you're right it was impressive though like how quickly he he did that but also i'm just curious like how many practice runs has that actually taken to get that skilled he seemed to have it mastered um yeah i'm not one to use straws ever to drink my beer but you know hey I'm not here to judge. I just I want to give the guy some credit, even though I probably would not do it myself. Uh, what's going on? Adam Hogue, Will DeWitt with you here today on the show. Nick is over at Hallis Hall. Interviews happening. Matt Eberflus, assistant coaches, um, some players. So we will check in with Nick from Hallis at some point in the show. Probably around two, uh, excuse me, twelve thirty. We're not going that long, and uh, and if any updates pop up in the meantime, we will pass them along. But make sure you're following us on social media. Will is at Will Dewitt. The L's in his name are ones on Twitter. You can find me at, at Adam Hogue, at CHGO Bears, at CHGO Sports. Thanks for supporting us along the way uh, and hitting up all of our social media channels. Make sure you're checking out our content at allchgo.com as well. 
uh, the Bears Things newsletter will be dropping tomorrow morning in your inbox if you are a member. So be on the lookout for that. All right, some news this morning. We knew it was Tuesday. We knew that the roster had to be cut to 80, Will. And uh, we did learn of five transactions that were made to get the Bears roster down to 80. We will talk about that. We're also going to talk about um, kind of the game plan for this week. Should certain players play against the Browns on Saturday? Should they be held out? We're going to discuss all of that here in a second. But let's start with the cuts. I think the big, the headline cut that uh, didn't surprise me. Maybe it only surprised me that it came in this round instead of next week. But Daz Newsome was cut. Not surprising. He's had a couple issues with punts in the preseason, uh, catching those punts. He's had some drops in games. He's also had some nice catches, some nice plays as well in there, not only in the games, but in practice. But to me, it's a little too inconsistent, Will. Uh, he's undersized. He seemed, even, even though the Bears don't have a ton of options at wide receiver, still seems like he's blocked right now at wide receiver. And with the emergence of Valus Jones Jr. as a returner, I don't think Daz was really in the mix to return punts anyway. Yeah, no, all of that uh, I think aligns really well with what we've all kind of experienced and seen out Daz Newsome. The inconsistency really, uh, I think, was you know the focal point and the reason why he's no longer going to be you know on the team. Well, actually, he's no longer is. He's actually officially uh, been cut. But yeah, like if you can't catch a punt and you can't catch the football consistently at receiver, like they will move on. And Ryan Poles has made you know, a handful of moves at this position since his arrival. And it looks like, you know, Daz Newsome not being here to me, I guess I'm just intrigued by the fact that he's not even sticking around to make the practice squad and seeing what they have in him as he continues to develop. But, you know, perhaps they just saw enough from Daz and figured there will be uh, other options for this practice squad that will be better for them too. But two catches, 23 yards is how the former sixth round pick from a year ago finishes his bears career. Pretty underwhelming. Yeah, no. And, and also guys, he's a sixth round pick. You know, I think sometimes we, we put too big expectations on some of these guys. Um, and uh, this is actually a relatively common outcome for a six round pick by year two. It, it happens. Uh, sometimes they don't even make the team after one year. And he didn't. He was on the practice squad last year. Um, and if not for the much looser practice squad rules these days, he he could have been on somebody else's practice squad or uh, elsewhere uh, even last season. So uh, that is how it ends for Daz Newsome as a bear, at least for now. The other uh, cuts, Julian Davenport, who I never really Took that seriously in the uh, the tackle conversation, but was on the roster. He was, he was uh, let go. He's actually a veteran status, so he just had his contract terminated. Uh, Jake Vargas, who was just brought in on Sunday, I think because um, partly because Kari Blassingame was dealing with uh, some type of wrist injury that we saw in the game on uh, Thursday, but then he was out there practicing. So not really sure what that was all about, but he's – Jake Vargas, we hardly knew you for three days. Uh, it comes and goes. And then Bo Pete Keys, who Mark Carvin pointed out on our postgame show last week, he thought struggled in that game. And uh, LaCale London, who's actually been around for a few years on the Bears practice squad, a little bit of playing time here and there, but he was the fifth cut as well. So the, the uh, roster down to 80. Will, any reaction to those other ones? Uh, for Julian Davenport, like you, I don't think anyone really expected him to be in real contention for a starting tackle spot. But when they did sign him way earlier in this offseason, I thought obviously their intent was to be the potential swing tackle. 
Uh, but when you bring in Riley Reef, you have the emergence of Larry Borm at the right tackle, as well as Braxton Jones at left tackle. You know, this honestly was one of those expected cuts for me as well. Uh, Bo P. Keys, I like his tackling ability, as I mentioned on our post-game show, but in coverage, that's where things were kind of, you know, hit or miss and really didn't have that great of a game on Saturday compared to what we saw. Oh, actually, sorry, last Thursday compared to what we saw the previous one against the Chiefs. Uh, but no, I, I'm not really surprised by any of these, Adam. Uh, I don't think we need to have a huge in-depth conversation on, you know, LaKel London and his practice squad uh, sitting there for a couple of years. He's had one defensive snap. Uh, since he joined the team in 2020, uh, but he's you know no longer a bear too. But other than that, I, I know Kyrie Blasting game's still on the roster. But what about Jake? You know Tong still like he's around the building. And last year, Blasting game got replaced by an undrafted free agent in Tennessee. Maybe you know history's going to repeat itself here. Uh, I don't know exactly yet, but that's just one of those extra considerations i have after you know seeing these cuts yeah i think um the first of all jake tonjas who caught a touchdown last week um i think has looked pretty good but i also think they like kari blasting game i think um you know ideally you if you are going to be fullback reliant you know seriously have the fullback in your offense which appears the bears are doing here then you'd like to have a backup um, but I also think that you that is a position where ideally you can get your back up to the practice squad. And so I think that's probably if I'm guessing what's the outcome is going to be next week with Dick, Jake Tongis. But, um, you know, it, if he has enough special teams value, maybe you do keep two fullbacks. But that's a position where even if one were to go down in the game and the other one was on the practice squad, you know, you can move a tight end around. You can you can get by for the rest of the game. So that's ultimately how I expect that one to, to shake out. And final cuts are one week from today. So next Tuesday, it's kind of as the NFL likes to do with so many events, they kind of make it this. It used to be sort of buried on Labor Day weekend. Um, but now with the fourth preseason game gone, you get uh, all the cuts down on Tuesday and it starts the, the big waiver wire and practice squad frenzy. Yeah, it does. And, you know, trade those start to happen we've already seen them begin as well over this weekend this week as well and i know ryan poles has been very vocal and adamant that he's going to continue to hammer away in this roster just because the final 53 is the initial final 53 that doesn't mean that will be the exact team that will take place week one against the 49ers but yeah i don't know just looking at these cuts and Duke Shelley's still around for now. He has another week to make his case. Same with Lamar Jackson at corner. Jalen Jones, who's been playing a lot as well. Again, this is a, a position that's dealt with a lot of injuries. But when you see a receiver like Daz Newsom get cut, and then I see Duke Shelley still on the team, I feel like he does still have a fighting chance to make this roster. Yeah. Um, I think, well, so let's talk about this week and kind of what's at stake. Now, the Bears are transitioning to more of a, a game week style of practice. So they are, uh, we got some media availability going on in house hall right now. And then practice will start at one 30. So once we're done here with the show, I'm going to run over there for practice. Um, but this is, this is more of the three practices walk through game day type situation. And we're wondering who the hell's going to play uh, because that hasn't been revealed to us yet just will before we get into some of these players i mean what's your overall take on who should play how this game should be handled i only have a few that i would call untouchables 
Uh, but Matt Eberflus mentioned really early on in camp that this is a young team that needs playing time, game experience in order for them to kind of get ready for this regular season. And I know they've been kind of evaluating both who should start as well as the back half of the roster. We didn't see a lot of the starters last week, again, you know, obviously as well. So my thought would be if you didn't see a lot of your starters last week, I would like to see them coming up here as like that typical third game that we used to see in the preseason to kind of get that dress rehearsal feel. And if you're going to go through this week uh, from a game planning perspective and like the actual week flow that you want to implement come week one for game preparation and then going to the game and executing it, I would hope to see some starters there. So I only have, like I said, a few quote players that I wouldn't play perhaps, or at least guys, if I'm going to sit some, these would be the players I would sit, but by and large, I would play as many starters as possible. Well, good news because uh, Matt Eberflus has said right now at house hall (laughs) that the starters are going to play in the first half uh, up until halftime. Not all of them will like some players might be sat depending on injuries, depending on other things. Some players might come out earlier than others, which makes sense. You know, I don't think Darnell Mooney is somebody that necessarily needs to play the entire first half. Um, but it sounds like Justin Fields will be slated to play about 25 to 30 plays, uh, which is about half a game. So, the, and that's all coming out from uh, Matt Eberflus at House Hall right now. Make sure you're following Nicholas Moriano on Twitter. He's got He's got these updates coming through, and we will check in with him here in a little bit to get the, the full word from everything coming out at Hallis. Uh, also, Roquan Smith is expected to play Saturday, according to Matt Eberflus. So that answers that question. Nice. It's like they know we're talking about this and are just feeding us the information so we can actually talk about what's going to happen. And now we don't have to actually sit here and speculate. So it's going to be a little bit more of a tangible conversation, uh, which I always appreciate those, but yeah, Roquan Smith playing. I'm curious your thoughts, Adam, because I'm, I'm down with that. I know it takes a while to get up to game speed. You got to get calloused a bit and practicing versus playing a game are two totally different animals, both from a playing standpoint, as well as just, I don't know, cardiovascular health and just getting up to does that game conditioning. So I'm happy with him kind of, getting some of those reps now this week instead of waiting all the way for week one, despite the limited practice. Yeah. It's also a new defense, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, I think just kind of getting your feet wet in the system for a half of football. And in his case, maybe it's even a little less and that's okay. But um, he is just getting back to practice now. Hasn't had any game action. Um, You know, the, he was around in the off season program from like a mental standpoint, went through, some of those reps in the defense, which was good, but it's different when you put pads on and then it's even more different when you're playing in a live game with live bullets. So, you know, I I think it's smart for Roquan Smith to play in this game at least a little bit. I don't even, you know, even if it's just the first quarter, that's fine. But if he plays the halftime, I don't have a problem with that either. I think it makes sense um, because obviously he's going to be the starter week one. No question. Let's, let's go through some of these players that, because we were prepared to have this conversation. We weren't sure if we would have the answers to who was playing, who was not, but I still think it's worth the conversation. Will talking about like how much they should play. Is it smart for them to play? We'll kind of go player by player because as Flus has said, it is kind of an individual basis and it makes sense to handle it that way, in my opinion, but let's start with Justin Fields. I like that. He's playing you know, up to half a game. Some teams are going to handle this differently. Just for example, I saw the Colts are 
playing their starters. Matt Ryan's expected to play the whole first half, but then the Packers are sounds like they're going to hold out Aaron Rodgers and some of their key starters. Um, different situations. So, you know, I, Kind of. Matt Ryan's a veteran, too, but he's also in a new offense and in a new loca- new spot, so I think that that makes sense. In Justin Fields' case, I, I, I've i seen this, like, kind of... He hasn't blown me away like I kind of asked when to start training camp, but it's been headed upwards to me. Like, sort of, as I see Braggs in the comments, he likes to say, brick, bright, brick. I mean, he's kind of... Fields has kind of been doing that. I think the offense has been doing that too, Will. So give them another opportunity. I think part of the equation too that we discussed after the Seahawks game that matters a lot to me is just the long. If you don't play them Saturday, that's a huge long layoff in between games. Going from that game in Seattle all the way to September 11th. I mean, it's not quite a month, but it's almost a month. It's like three and a half weeks. So I... I like that he's playing. I like that a lot of these guys are playing. Yeah, same. Uh, with Justin specifically, like you said, like having almost a month of that game action heading into a big week one when you're going up against Trey Lance, you know, it's a quarterback from your draft class. Like those games are important. They're going to be put under microscope. Uh, people from a national level are going to be watching it, scrutinizing it, and you hope that he's just like out there ready to play. And you know, last preseason, uh, his rookie year, he had 49 passing attempts. He only has 14 so far, and Although in practice, we're seeing that trajectory go up. Like I do want to see it in a game situation and an entire half, I think is a good way to see how we can build off of a drive. And I know they're approaching this like a real game. So just kind of see that opening script, how they can adjust and then kind of build up some drives together. Cause what the very first week he had back-to-back series. And then last week only had the one, if I remember correctly. Right. So it's hard to get much momentum, much game flow going on is building that chemistry with his guys. So being out there, getting that additional game experience. I know, you know, injuries are always a concern, but you can't coach scared. You can't play scared as well. So having them out there, getting that experience uh, behind that offensive line for the second straight week and just actually game planning, I think is going to tell us a lot uh, as well as getting that extra repetition that we're going to need entering week one. I, yeah, I, I think as well said, I, I think it makes a lot of sense and um, that's the way to go about it with the quarterback, really the offense. So we talked about Roquan Smith. Let's move on to David Montgomery. Um, this is also coming out from uh, Flus right now that, that David Montgomery is a little bit more in the, up in the air. He's obviously been dealing with something and he said, it depends on how much he practices this week. So, um, you know, if that's a guy that I don't think you have to force out there, you know, if he's not 100%, I say, give him his rest. Now, the only thing there is it's also a new offense. So getting some live game reps within the new offense wouldn't be the worst thing. But I guess if, you know, even if he's like 90%, okay, maybe play him a series, but I don't think that that's a player you need to force. He was on my list of the three players that, like, if they don't want to play him, so be it. Like, like you said, he's been dealing with an injury. Herbert has also been slightly injured. Tristan Ebner had been dinged up a bit. So your three main running backs that we'd expect to be the top three entering the first week of the season are all kind of dealing with something. And I don't know if you would want to put Montgomery in any harm's way to maybe make that more complicated and severe because who knows, he may actually have to pick up a little bit more of the slack early on. If these other running backs are, you know, still battling with their injuries as well. So me, when it comes to Montgomery, I would trust the coaches and the trainers to make that decision. And he's a player that, you know, 
he's a cyborg. He can recover from injuries rather quickly. We've seen that throughout his entire Bears career. But if it's like made the decision, like, eh, we don't want to risk it. Like, personally, I'm fine with that. Where do you stand on Darnell Mooney, though? Because I think just from a health uh, importance standpoint, we're probably in agreement that, I mean, he's one of those guys that yet you, you certainly do not want to see go down. The, the risk there is pretty high compared to the reward. But I still think there is some reward because let's think about the quarterback. And if you're really trying to get the most out of what you can with Justin Fields and the starters out there, I think it's better off having Mooney out there maybe at least half the time or at least for one series or two series. That way, Justin Fields can kind of get a feel for what the offense looks like with, you know, his main target in there. And then even if, you know, he's not out there um, after that point and sort of adjust and go through that. I think that that's a, a good learning experience for him. That's a, Yeah, that's an interesting approach, Adam. And I, I kind of like that the more you talked about it as well, just so he can see life with and without and go through all the things that you've already mentioned. Mooney was on that list of like, if they don't want to play him, don't don't feel like you have to just because I, I'm, I'm not worried about his chemistry with Justin. Like, I feel like they put in so much work this off season together that they don't need, you know, a couple of series and the preseason finale to kind of get that thing where it needs to be. Like, I don't think that's going to impact it really one way or the other. And when you just watch all those practices and you notice, like when he gets a special teams work, it's like, it's Darnell Mooney who doesn't have to do all that extra work. And he's just working on the jugs or working one-on-one individually on the side. Like he's already getting a little bit of that, I'm going to call it special treatment here on the show, uh, but getting some of that too. So I, I can see him sitting as well. And honestly, that may give the coaching staff that the extra time to evaluate other players that Justin needs to be clicking with as well as they make some of those final decisions of who's going to make this team at receiver because Daz Newsom's out. One decision has been made, but there are a few other guys, Dante Pettis. I think Tajay Sharp's making this team as well, but just kind of figuring out those bottom end guys that you can see, all right, is Justin really clicking with them in the game environment or not? I think that could be valuable as well. Uh, we had one more offensive guy, then we'll switch to some of the defensive guys, but um, Cole Komet would be next up. And I'm, I'm kind of in a similar spot with Mooney on this one. You know, Cole, but even more so than Mooney, Cole still, I think, needs the reps within the offense. And I think, you know, the impact that Getze the new offensive coordinator can have individually on a couple players. Like I think you put the quarterback obviously at the top of that list, but I kind of put Cole Komet second, like just in terms of what this offense can unlock with him, the same way they're trying to unlock the quarterback. I think Cole, the importance of doing that with Cole is so important. Um, well, that was redundant. That was a redundant sentence, but uh, you know, I think it, Getting those reps here is still valuable for him. The same, and even if it's the same thing like what they did last week, if it's just one series where he gets two nice catches and you see that, then you can build on that. And then same sort of deal. Maybe you take him out, and then Justin can feel life with Cole Komet in the offense and without it, and sort of go through that adjustment. And I do know, like the other guys at this position, Ryan Griffin, you know James O'Shaughnessy as well. Like they're expected to be decent contributors in this offense as well, and be as well and be out there. So giving them some reps with Justin could have value. But I would like to see Cole come out there at least for a little bit. Uh, you'd mentioned getting some catches. I, I think even 
not more importantly, but equally as important will be just getting and getting those blocks in place for the running game as well, because the tight end position so versatile, they're asked to do so much within an offense and just getting those additional reps and getting them in a game form. I think for Cole Komet, who, you know, we're all hoping and expecting to take a decent leap this season. I, I think that can do a lot of good for Cole. So I would like to see him out there. Uh, for at least a few series, heck, I give him a quarter if we're looking for like a minimum. And then if he wants to play, you know, the entire half or the coaches want him to play that too, then like, awesome. Like, I'm not going to complain personally. Uh, and there was a good comment up from Cornelius a second ago too, that uh, he wants to see EQ actually used catching passes, not just as a decoy. I mean, that that's, that's still one of the questions that I have. Um, you, you know, I think the way that he's been, looking in practice and the way that he appears to be on the depth chart, you feel good about it. That like as somebody who's had a positive training camp and then at the same time, you're still waiting for the guy to make a play in a game. Yeah. Which is basically his whole career. Right. I mean, we're still, and so for me, I'm not trying to be negative on the dude. I like what I've seen, but until I see that, in live action, in a football game, preseason or regular season, definitely regular season, I'm still going to be skeptical about, hey, is this guy really the Bears' number two wide receiver right now? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think it's very valid and fair to at least have that question right now. I'm trusting at least my eyes and day as I was at camp, and he looked he looked the part. Uh, and also, again, only 14 pass attempts for Dustin Fields. So it's been very limited sample size. So I'm trying not to draw too many conclusions on target share uh, and anything of that nature as well. And a lot of those plays of the offensive line have come like off schedule and they haven't been, you know, like exactly have they been, you know, drawn up as well. But if EQ plays and we get to see him make a catch or two, I think that's going to, you know, appease a lot of Bears fans and you as well, Adam, to make you feel a little bit better heading into week one. I'm in the boat of, Although you have to have that skepticism because he has not been a big contributor on offense uh, in an NFL season besides, I think, his rookie year. And that wasn't even a large role like you do have a little bit of that doubt creeping in. And hopefully that's us externally and that's not in the building. All right. Um, we're going to get into some of the defensive players. But first, want to tell you about our friends at PointsBet. And uh, you've, you've heard us talk about this every day, but PointsBet Sportsbook they have a new thing going on because they're counting down the days until football season, just like we definitely are. New hard knocks tonight I'm excited about. Like, this is the, the juice I need right now because it feels so far away. September 11th feels so far away right now, Will. It does. Uh, but uh, PointsBet is helping us get through this with a new offer every day until the season actually kicks off. So from now until September 8th, PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from noon to one o'clock central time. That's right now. You can get on your phone, points bet, sign up for it right now using the code CHGO to also get risk free bet up to $2,000. Uh, don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it because if you make a $51 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. By the way, sale going on today. Shirts are 25% off at allchgo.com. So check it out on the CHGO locker. But you can get that free one by signing up with PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today. Use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. 
All right, and I have to give you the play of the week from points bet. And I think the last time I was tasked with this was the All-Star game, and I was able to win people some money. So we're going to try to do that again here today. That's big if you're betting on the All-Star game, and then you actually <laughs> win. That's that's solid. By so you are already way better at this than Nick is. Awesome. I'm glad, because yeah. if I was any worse, then I think I should be banned from doing this segment, by the way. Like, we should not try to have our listeners lose money. We're trying to win them money. Uh, so my play of the week, uh, the Cubs have a doubleheader tonight and the White Sox play tonight as well. And I'm going to do a, I'm calling it the negative Nancy play of the week because everyone knows I'm very optimistic, especially when it comes to Bears football. Uh, but today I'm going to be pessimistic when it comes to Chicago baseball. Uh, if you bet on the Sox and Cubs both losing today, you can get that at plus 280. And a reason why I would do that. Uh, it's because so far the Cubs are 0-4 against the Cardinals in the second half of the season. And the White Sox are 1-3 against Baltimore this year. That was at home. They also lost four of their last five. They're on the road tonight. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's in the cards. So let's bet on the Cardinals. Bet on the Baltimore Orioles. And you get that plus 280. And, you know, the, the teams may lose, but you'll your pocket will win. There you go. I... Uh... That would make me feel better about the whole deal. So that's that's good. <laughs> um, I like that. All right. So uh, let's talk about some of these defensive players in Saturday's game. What we want to see, who's going to play, who's not. And if you're just joining us now live on YouTube, then the word coming out of Hallis Hall. And we will talk to Nick here in a few minutes from Hallis. Um, but Matt Eberflew saying that Eddie Jackson uh, and other starters, Justin Fields, uh, they will play on Saturday night, about 25 to 30 plays, which they expect to be basically the first half. And depending on how that shakes out, none of them will play after halftime. So that's the word on that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but let's talk about some of these defensive players like Eddie Jackson. How long would you play him in the game? I play him in the first half. I don't think there's any reason to hold him out. He's as just like a new offense, there's a new defense that we learned here too. And I, again, like with this week being like the official approach to what a game week's going to look like here this year, I think every single starter can benefit from going through it and going uh, through it in a game environment as well. So for me, I wouldn't have any reservations with Eddie Jackson playing the whole half. And honestly, getting him more special treatment, maybe like he did in the past, isn't really the best thing to keep him motivated. Uh, so treating him like the rest of this team would be exactly if I was the coach, what I would do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I think that, um, I guess the only hesitation I might have is the fact that Jaquan Brisker's already banged up. And all of a sudden, if Eddie Jackson were to go down, now you're down, you're two starting Safeties, granted, I think they're hopeful that Brisker will be back in time for the week one opener. Um, but I think I'm mostly on the same page as you. He should, definitely should not get special treatment anymore. Um, but if he only plays like the first quarter, I can live with that. Um, if they feel like he's good and set and again, new new system on both sides of the ball. So I, that's definitely part of this equation. You have to get these guys more game reps in the system. Um and not, not only that on the defensive side, like how much they're pushing the takeaway idea. Like you want to see that in practice too, uh, in the games, you want to see them actually do that in the games and to have like somebody like Eddie Jackson, who's been struggling to take the ball away. If you were able to do that on Saturday night, that would be, you know, just a big boost. Uh, yeah, it thing, would. Same thing for Jalen Johnson. Who's next on our list. One interception, right, in his career at this point. He's got to take the ball way more. 
Yeah, he, he absolutely does. And hopefully this defense and this approach will help him do that. Unlock it a little bit. I know coming out of Utah, that was something he was great at. And we just haven't seen it translate so much here uh, to the NFL. Really good corner. Just hasn't been able to make those big impact plays. And I know we've heard it from uh, multiple defenders like, hey, this defense is allowing us to kind of be in a more advantageous position and be a little bit more aggressive on the football. So hopefully that helps him get that as well. But Jalen Johnson, just like Eddie Jackson, I'm okay with him playing, but also like he's on like one of those fringe guys too, where if the bears want to evaluate other corners on this roster, like I can understand that. So if he only plays a few series or a quarter and they throw in Lamar Jackson out there and Jalen Jones out there too, like, all right, cool. Let's uh, let's see what they have too, because we have to be able to make these informed decisions as cut day again. Like the official fifty-three happens one week from today, so like big decisions are about to happen. And if they don't have enough tape or enough answers, and they have to make other decisions, like I'm personally going to accept it. Well, and this is what, but this was one of my arguments why when when they when they got rid of the fourth preseason game, like I know a lot of scouts and personnel types were. They didn't like that because they actually saw the value in the fourth preseason game. Um, but it had become such a worthless thing for the fans, mm-hmm. quite frankly, that when she added the 17th game and you weren't really losing an actual game on the calendar, you were just turning the fourth preseason game into a regular season game. That made a lot of sense, right? So I, I understood why they did it. And, and one of my arguments for that at the time was, you know, you can still condense what you need to get out of your starters. Like this is the perfect example. This third preseason game, you could play your starters the entire first half and then still figure out what you need to figure out in the second half with those reps. Um, so, and I, and I do also understand the side of it as some of these guys that are on this roster will never play football again. And for some of them, they would go into that fourth preseason game knowing that but they would, that would be their night to shine, right? Like I get to go play most of the full NFL game. And that's probably the one thing that gets perhaps lost in all that. But I just think in terms of having to make these roster decisions, they've had, they have enough practice tape at this time. time. They, they've seen the reps. They've seen the game reps. They're going to be able to get those answers they need. And to me, like it's okay to have these, just these three games. Uh, to me, it's plenty of time. Do you think entering like a game like we will on Saturday, they already have like a rough draft version of like that oh, yeah. 53 looks like, and then oh, maybe yeah. they change like a player or two if for something like, you know, big happens and it needs to change. But like, I, I feel like they would have to just have a good direction of like, okay, we're going here. And of course, as this front office said, like they will allow players to surprise them. They're not going to put a ceiling on them, but they have to at least have a good idea of what they're going to do. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you that, it's pretty much already done. There's maybe one or two spots that might still be open depending on the position. Sometimes it could be a special teams spot. Um, but really, the only thing that changes between the time the game ends on Saturday and Tuesday is either injuries that pop up on Saturday or other roster moves that are made around the league that make other guys expendable. So all of a sudden, hey, this guy's available in trade or this guy's probably going to get cut uh, from whatever team. Okay, well, now we might need to adjust this here with our you know, our last cornerback or our last linebacker or whatever because we're going to try to claim this guy. 
on waivers. And, and that's really the only thing that impacts things at that point. I, I highly doubt that there'll be a, a lot of positions. There will be a couple that get decided in the second half in Cleveland, but really it's most of it's going to be figured out. And of course, most of the evaluations probably like, okay, who do we actually want to take onto the practice squad at this stage too? Like what makes sense for us as a team to kind of carry that over and what's the best 16. And you can have those guys with unlimited experience now too, which I think, you know, like you said, a little bit more loose rules than we used to have in the past. So it doesn't just have to be on drafted free agents or guys with no experience. So you can, you can put veterans on the practice squad too, which is an interesting, you know, path for them to kind of work through. Yeah, this has wildly changed over the last like three, four years. COVID had an impact. The new CBA had an impact. Um, but they've they've really opened the door with more flexibility on the practice squad um, to give more players. It, it kind of came down to like they originally they restricted it where veterans couldn't go on the practice squad because then they have to take a pay cut. But then they kind of realized guys were just getting cut and out of the league then without the practice squad. So that was actually hindering guys from prolonging their career uh, and being able to stay on a roster. So I, I think overall that's a win that they did that. But at the same time, uh, it's interesting how this turns out. I, I feel like based on past years, Will, about half of the practice squad will be consisting of players that have been around in camp. But then you get a lot of new bodies that come from other places. Yep. So... Um, the other half is really a bunch of new guys that, that come from uh, from other teams. So um, really, when you think about it, they're down to 80. You have to cut another 27 players to get down to 53, but you might have another eight or nine that stick around on the practice squad. So really, you're going to be down about 18 to 20 players, somewhere in there that will be you know completely off this roster a week from now. Yeah, so like if say everyone's sitting at 80 and they have to get trimmed down to 53. So by this time next week, that's 864 new players that are available we, you know, league-wide compared to like right now. So that's why. Like that's almost a thousand different players added into the pool at one time. Like that's a huge dump of talent. Yeah. Well, talent. it's a huge yeah. <laughs> 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 there's some talent in there yes absolutely uh but how much can really help you win games on sundays in the regular season that part's debatable but weeding through all that is what makes the front off you know certain front offices better than others yeah and you, you hope all the work that the bears have done on these guys um not only you know this is where the draft homework really pays off again people forget about that the 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 work that goes into the NFL draft isn't just for draft weekend, which obviously is huge, but these guys go back to that at cut down time over and over again. When players become available, I guarantee you when they traded for Nikhil Harry, Ryan Poles was referencing, you know, his draft reports on Nikhil Harry for when he was in Kansas city. Um, and that always comes up at free agency for, you know, four years later. You'll always hear when they sign a player. Oh, well, this is what it said in his draft report. It's it, it it all still matters. Um, and the, thinking about the amount of players that you just said that are going to be available and trying to figure out, you know, which one, um, which ones to add is huge. And that's sometimes where you can find a diamond in the rough. All right, news coming out of Hallis Hall. Nick is there. Uh, we have assistant coaches talking too. 
bunch of things going on. Uh, Nick has to keep his video off technically for rules, I believe. Um, so uh, he is here though, to talk to us <laughs> with his voice. He popped up for half a second. Uh, no, we but, didn't. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Nick? What's going on? What's going on, you guys? Sorry, I was tempted. I see the camera button on the bottom here, and I just pressed it. But I am here at Hallis Hall. We just got done talking to Matt Eberflus and some of the defensive assistants. And, yeah, unfortunately, we got to have the camera off for uh, our conversation today. All right, so we learned that, because we could see it on Twitter and your tweets, too, that um, this is a mock game week, which we knew. But I appreciate this. Flus coming out right away the start of the week saying we're playing our starters. He's not going to play games here. There's really no reason to. And it sounds like most of the starters will play the first half. That's what it sounds like, Adam, including Justin Fields. He was asked specifically about him and, you know, obviously they'll see how the game kind of goes and he doesn't know yet exactly what the, the Browns are going to do, but the plan is to play some of the starters through the half. And that does include, Roquan Smith, who is expected to play still in that ramp up period, but he was asked about Roquan. And he's also expected to play, but it looks like we'll uh, get some meaningful snaps from the starters in uh, the last preseason game. Nick, uh, Adam and I were kind of talking about this approach and of course having these starters play and I'm happy about it. Uh, I know Iberflus mentioned they need to have all this game experience and this is coached yet again, kind of coming through with his word, which is still a theme that I mentioned in the offseason that I still think is coming through pretty consistently, uh, which is at least helping build some trust with this coaching staff, at least trusting what they're saying. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the starters playing? Is that the right or wrong decision for the Bears? Oh, Nick, you mm. still there? I think we lost Nick. Can can you guys hear me? Sorry. Oh, there you are. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's the right decision, you guys. When you think about all the young players that are on this roster, just look at the offensive line, right? Just looking at it can Tevin Jenkins at the right guard position get more of that continuity alongside Larry Borum. Those just those guys specifically, and Braxton Jones, who is now the left tackle. So I I'm with the decision with being a good one for Matty refusing the staff to play some of the starters. So, um, and there's still some things that he wants to see. Like when he looks at the defense, he was saying that he still wants to look at the execution, the intensity, them still stripping at the ball. So there's still things he wants to see out of some of these players that are, you know, obviously going to play on uh, Saturday. What else did, uh, what else came up in Flus's press conference? It's been a few days since he's, since he's talked to the media. Yeah, some of the things someone asked about David Montgomery and what his status was. And right now, um, obviously, he hasn't been practicing too much or hasn't played in the games. And they're going to wait and see on him um, if he does feel if, you know, something comes up later in the week where it's leaning more towards he'll play. That could be the case. But as of right now, still kind of up in the air with David Montgomery. And then, you know, the other big thing, again, he just wants to see out of his offense just how they execute. Um, I was talking a little bit to uh, Travis Smith, the defensive line coach, and it kind of falls in line with what Matt Eberflus was saying is that, you know, you just want to see the intensity uh, kind of really show out among all these players. But that, that was kind of the main takeaways. The stars are going to play, Justin Fields included, and Roquan Smith, who is still in the ramp-up period, will be a participant in Saturday's game. Oh, I think that's like an interesting, like, not development, but way that they phrase it that you've been able to kind of share with us is like, they're not just looking at it for like evaluation of where we're at, but it's like, they're going to make sure that they're playing the style of football that they expect out of this, you know, the both starting units for an entire half, not just a series or two. And that way it's like, Hey, I know you've been playing an entire half. Like that's still a loaf. 
and in a you know second half of a game we go on that's going to count as a loaf so you can't do that i think just getting that kind of mindset too as we approach this saturday's game is uh is pretty interesting but you mentioned you talked to defensive line coach uh any interesting nuggets you want to share with our listeners about uh, that conversation yeah, with Travis Smith, I asked him about Dominique Robinson. He, I talked to him after the the Seattle game, and he said he wanted to limit down his loafs, for which he had five in the Kansas City game, and I wanted to see if you know that number went down for Seattle. He didn't give me a specific number, you guys, but he said as a team, the Bears got better in terms of having less loafs. So they look at it not just at individuals, but the entire team. He said, as a team, we played more intense. We hustled more to the ball. And so we were able to get less loafs from week one to week two. And now the same kind of consistency they want to see in this Cleveland game where more of the starters will be playing up to the half. So he talked about that. I asked him about Tonga and, and the pick six that he got. He's like, hey, you know, sometimes we're going to drop those big guys in coverage. And when they do, they are taught to be like an offensive player. When they get the interception, find the numbers, get your guys to have an escort in front of you and run it back. And I asked him, were you surprised though? Tonga looked pretty good returning that ball. And he said, no, he's a pretty good athlete, very smart. He knows exactly what to do once he gets the ball in his hand. So he was uh, happy with how that was able to play out in Saturday's practice. And then with um, Travis Gibson, I asked him about just where he's grown the most from the beginning of training camp with obviously it, obviously it ending now. He said the big thing, he just looks really comfortable with his hand in the dirt. As we all know, he came, uh, you know, in that 3-4 defense last year, didn't have to do it as much, but now transitioning back to what he was doing at Tulsa, he says he just looks and feels comfortable with being able to have that hand in the dirt. He knows his keys. And again, the main, main goal for all four of the guys, they talk about four is one, rush the passer, get to the passer is one, and that's going to be the key for any one of those guys. Um, I also got to talk to James Rowe, the cornerbacks coach, before I hopped on here, you guys. And I wanted to ask him about Kyler Gordon and his um, he's been bouncing in outside and inside, depending on the, the personnel that the Bears have on the field. And I asked him, what what's the difficulty in that when they're in the four three, he's the outside corner when they're in nickel. Kyler Gordon's a nickel corner. And basically he said the big thing for Kyler is just having constant communication with the coaches. But it's really going to be about us on how we communicate it to him. And then if he can just just kind of take that all in at once, because it is a fast moving game and he just needs to be able to diagnose that on the field. And then I asked him, like, what do you like about Kyler when he comes off the edge? He's like, he just moves different. He, he moves different. He can get to the quarterback in, in ways that most people can't. So he likes the athletic ability. And honestly, just the way with the nickel corner, they liked him being closer to the line of scrimmage, closer to the ball so he can make plays. Yeah, Kyler Gordon's another guy we uh, probably should have discussed earlier. I, somebody who needs the playing time, I think, especially when you consider they're asking him to do a lot, move outside and inside. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's going to be great experience, but that is definitely a challenge. So I, I think that's somebody, especially because he already missed one of the preseason games, can really benefit from getting a good amount of work on Saturday night in Cleveland. Uh, anything else, Nick, before we let you go? Good stuff. Yeah, just one last thing with Gordon. Like that was the one area that he wanted to see improvement on. James Rowe, the cornerbacks coach, was that he wanted to see his communication be a little bit better in uh, from the Seattle game to in Cleveland. They said there was a couple of mistakes out there. So if he can clean that up, he, he's, he's going to be feeling really good about where Kyler Gordon's at and what he can do for this Bears defense. But that's it, you guys, from, from Hallis Hall. Great awesome. stuff, Nick. I appreciate it. All right, you guys. See ya. Uh
There he is, Nicholas Moriano. Follow him on Twitter at Nicholas Moriano for uh, more coverage from Hallis. And uh, he'll be at practice, too, which starts in about 45 minutes. I'll get over there, too, for practice, see what kind of changes we have. Uh, I wonder if they're going to do any scout team stuff. Like, if they're simulating a game week, you think that they might actually do a little game planning here for the Browns. Um, or even if it's just 49ers stuff. But, you know. Whatever, whatever it is, I, I would expect them to, but you'll let us know after you watch practice. And I'm excited to kind of stay tuned this afternoon to find out. Yeah. All right. Um, do need to take one more quick break to uh, tell you about some of our awesome sponsors here at CHGO, and then we will wrap things up with uh, your questions. Sounds great. I'll jump right in and let people know about Owen, which stands for only what you need. You've heard us talk about Owen for quite a while now on the show. Owen is a 100% plastic plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do and all their products are free of artificial ingredients they're allergen friendly there's no gluten there's no dairy and it's easily digestible Uh, that's actually why i love owen as well when i'm at the gym and afterwards like I've tried all these other types of like protein powders and like it really makes my, like my stomach upset. It makes it hurt. And Owen does not do that with all of their uh, plant-based kind of like ingredients. It's so easy on my stomach and that way I can, you know, intake some of that protein so I can actually build a little bit of muscle after these workouts. And uh, we heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet as well. And Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. Uh, you can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I. I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com. And you can get that 20% off with our code CHGO20. So join us and Justin Fields and try Owen. Only what you need. It's another busy day here at CHGO. As you know, we have podcasts, live shows on all of our teams. Uh, we're already the second show of the day because there was a Chicago Fire podcast earlier at 11 o'clock. If you missed that, want to go back and find it, you can listen to it as a podcast wherever you find and listen to your pods. Uh, coming up right after us, we got Blackhawks, Bulls, covering all these teams even throughout the offseason. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for the uh, Cubs and White Sox guys, you know, they still got to put up with these baseball teams for a couple more months. But uh, as you do, too, you can I like to treat especially the White Sox show as my therapy on a weekly actually let's be honest daily basis uh with this with this baseball team and uh you know herb and the crew they 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 get it done for me especially post game like when the managers is actively hurting the players now uh which is the latest nonsense going on there and we want to make sure you know about everything going on for our members all those shows those are free to you every single day but for those of you that are members you're getting a lot more you're getting our premium written content which includes things like my Bears Things newsletter, which comes out on Wednesday mornings right now during the preseason, and that will be in your inbox tomorrow. So if you're not already a member, make sure you go and sign up. Get signed up for that newsletter, and it'll be in your inbox tomorrow. Of course, we have merchandise for all the teams, and when you become a member, you can get a free shirt. By the way, for everyone, shirts today, 25% off. we got a sale going on, our summer sale at allchgo.com in the CHGO locker. All right. We always leave some time here at the end of the show to answer some of your questions. We'll do a few of those before we get out of here and get over to a Bears practice. Uh, Martin is first up here. He asks, have we got an update on Pringle? At what point to become concerned about his week one availability? I believe that there's been some progress in that he's been out there on the side getting some work in here and there. Um, so, but 
no. I mean, all we know from Matt Eberflus was that he was going to miss some some time, and he wasn't. He was he was more than the day to day category. He was going to miss weeks, and we are certainly into that territory. Um, I don't feel like there's a ton of concern about a missing week one, but I don't think we completely know at this point, just being honest. And um, I do think it's a little, that one's been a little disappointing because that was somebody who they really seem to be banking on. In my opinion, almost like too much. It seemed like a risky thing for a guy that really only has like 42 catches as his career high in a season coming over into a new offense, a much different offense. And that's not getting these reps in the preseason, I think is tough for him. Yeah. I, again, like not getting not just preseason game reps, but like he's missed most of training camp. He basically so, missed all camp except yeah, for the first week. Exactly. And learning this new offense, uh, a guy that's supposed to take a significant step forward from like a wide receiver four up to like perhaps a wide receiver two role here in Chicago. Yeah. Like you said, not an ideal situation could put him behind the eight ball a bit. And I'm, unfortunately, like it could take us into like October, November until he actually kind of gets fully acclimated in this offense now in terms of being like that playmaker they expected. Uh, and as long as he can build that chemistry with Justin in a, you know, as this year goes on. Yeah. I almost want to change Martin's question for him. Like availability is a fair question, but I also think it, it I, we, since we don't necessarily know the answer to his availability, I will say I am concerned about his week one effectiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, even if he is active in that game, what can you really bet on a guy or expect from a guy that is, again, new offense, hasn't gotten the reps, hasn't really been involved, coming off an injury? That's it's a lot of, a lot of barriers. About. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of barriers for him to kind of overcome there. And really, that first week of training camp, he didn't wow much. Like, he didn't, like, overly impress. Yeah, he didn't overly impress. He actually, like you said, struggled a little bit, too. So, yeah, a lot of obstacles ahead of uh, Pringle and hopefully overcomes them because the Bears did have, you know, at least high hopes for what he can be in this offense. I will say he did seem to turn the corner a little bit the last couple of practices before he got hurt, but it's it's been a couple weeks now, so... um... He's almost, he almost feels like the forgotten guy in the wide receiver room right yep. now. But uh, yeah, between him being hurt, Taji Sharp being hurt, EQ's been good. But as we talked about earlier in the show, not really getting any catches in games still seems a little dicey on the wide receiver front. Um, I still have remained some, some level of optimism, though, as a whole, the room could end up being better than what it was last year. But that's a pretty low bar. And you still want to play Darnell Mooney? <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. All right, next next up, um, can we talk about Dieter looking better than Sam? I mean, we could. I mean, the, I I understand that like as well, but I always look at like Musterers going up against some starters, and then Dieter is going up against second, third, sure. potentially fourth string defensive lineman. But yeah, I mean, there were decent reps that made me wonder, like, hey, can you know Dieter perhaps make this team, and you know things like that. But I don't know. Anything you wanted to add there, Adam? Well, no. It's just that I, I think it's a fair question. I I don't necessarily think Dieter Allison's the answer. Um, I think Lucas Patrick is the answer. Mm-hmm. There's no question that based all you have to do is look at their actions in the offseason and what they did with the O line and bringing in Lucas Patrick. They do not view Sam Mustafer as a starter. They don't. I think they look at him like a backup who they feel like can fill in. Um, as you view any backup, you want to trust them to be able to spot start and fill in if necessary, be that depth. 
So I'm not necessarily totally concerned about that still, but that's assuming Lucas Patrick's back for week one. Yeah. So that's the way I would answer that one. Um, Tavon Young, Thomas Graham dealing with injuries. Do Bears go after a veteran to play outside? I don't know how I feel about Lamar Jackson playing outside. Well, and basically the way this is starting to look like is that second outside corner will actually only be in on nickel downs because that'll be when Kyler Gordon kicks inside. I think that's the Bears' hope right now if he can prove to handle that position. Um, but you're still talking about a guy that's probably going to feel be on the field 55% of the time, if mm-hmm. not more. So, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, why not? It, I, they seem to be okay with Kindle Vildor. I think Vildor's shown flashes. I think he was put in a position last year where asking him to be the full-time outside number two corner was too much. Is he better suited with if he's only on the field for a little over 50% of the game, 60% of the game, whatever that ends up being? I think so. I think that could be better for him. But, yeah, I think these last two positions we've talked about, really last three, wide receiver, O-line, corner, Everything's still on the table. Don't don't be surprised if there's new guys that pop up here, whether it's trade or guys that are signed off of waivers. They still have a ton of cap space if they need to use it. Yeah, I mean, they can't like close themselves off from potentially upgrading any of these positions, like you said. Uh, but in terms of like this outside corner and those uh, nickel positions, like like those formations, like at least like I think this scheme does fit Kendall Vildor better than the previous one as well. So the experience plus the better scheme fit, like I'm okay with it, but I'm not like over the moon about it as well. But so that's exactly the reason why, yeah, you keep your options open and you definitely keep out, see if there's a veteran that can, you can bring in to improve this position, like without question. All right, let's sneak in one more before we get out of here. Yep. Um, Let's see what we got. This one's from Sam. If Denzel Mims and Darius Slayton become available, uh, do you think the Bears will take one or both players? If so, who do they release? That's a lot thrown at us there. It was. I like Slayton as a potential option just with his experience with Tyke Tolbert in New York. I think that would make a lot of sense if he is available for the Bears to potentially you know, take a chance on as well. Who would he replace? Honestly, I don't even know who's going to make this team yet at the position, so it's hard to like go to that step, but I would be open to Slayton. Let me ask you this, Will. If there was one, like, obviously anybody besides Darnell Mooney, if there was a single receiver, like, I'm including Equimanius, I'm including Byron Pringle in there, that you were just, you found out tomorrow morning they cut him. (laughs) Would would you be that devastated? No. Like, I want to be, like, distraught about it. I'd be very concerned about the steps backwards the Bears would be taking because guys that they thought, could be big contributors are no longer here. And I think that would raise some questions from like a player evaluation standpoint. And like, why did you think that? And why, like what God is here, but no, like uh, even like Pringle EQ, like, I think we all look at them as like almost like band-aids, like to kind of get us to that next player that they can, a young guy they can bring in that has that higher potential to be a, a real contributor in this offense for a long time. Whereas these guys should be serviceable. Uh, and I think that's what we're expecting. 
By the way, I do have to call you out though. There was a, you that was a wrong answer because you would definitely be upset about Valus Jones. I thought he was. Okay, you did say outside of Mooney, but I, there's no way in hell they're going to cut their. Third I know. I was, just, I was just kidding because how much you love Valus, and I didn't mention his name. So that's um, fair. You, you yeah, Mooney, Mooney and Valus would there be the go. two. Completely understandable there. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I don't think Equinemius or no Pringle are getting cut. I'm just saying to answer the question, which was who would they cut to make room. My, my my point is in a situation like that where you're adding adding like a, a Slayton who's been around the league and has made some plays. I think he even randomly played him in a fantasy championship a couple years ago because I was desperate. Um, at least in a playoff game. Uh, you know, I don't know that you're really downgrading there is the point. And um, so we'll see. I, I want to see if Tajay Sharp's back and if he's playing because he looked good the first preseason game and then he apparently was hurt that or they saw enough they're stashing but i i think he's probably banged up for real and hopefully it's minor enough because i did like the trajectory he was on as of today i do expect him to make this team health considering uh and we'll find out about that but i i liked what we saw out of him uh he really when his opportunity came he seized it and i think that's what the bears were wanting to see out of any of these guys same with us and that's what made me so excited about tajay sharp that he was a guy that's like oh here's my chance and he made the most of it and unfortunately you know the injury occurred uh but hopefully you know he can get out there and continue to ball out and show why he should be a member of this team all right, uh, well, we got to get out of here. Appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. I hope this is kind of a preview of what things are going to be like during the season with this noon time slot where we'll have some news to react to. We'll have Nick at House Hall um, to jump on. And um, good start today with some actual yeah. news on the players who are playing. And um, if you missed any of that at the beginning, you can go back and listen to the show as a podcast, as always, or right here on YouTube. Um, just that rewind button once it's all finished and, and up there. Do you have that option? Please subscribe. Hit that like button if you're here. We appreciate you. Smash the like. Uh, get the notification so you know when we're going live or when the show might change. But for now, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, noon. Talk to you then.